Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. In this download, South Florida Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Mel Melendez shares the inspirational story of Sushi Maki and second-generation restaurateur Abe Ng. Welcome, Abe. Thanks for being our guest today on Florida Business Minds. It's a pleasure to be here, Mel. Great to see you again. Likewise. Now, I invited you on the show because South Florida has become quite the hotspot for fine dining, as you know, and it's an area increasingly recognized nationally for its diverse and top-notch restaurant options, Sushimaki among them. So as the founder and CEO of Sushimaki, which is one of our region's most popular brands, and an executive named by the Business Journal as a power leader and an ultimate CEO, I thought you'd be perfect to share some insights and your expertise on the restaurant industry. Terrific. I know that you come from a restaurant family because your parents owned a Chinese restaurant when you were a child. And I know that you opened Sushimaki in the year 2000. So can you briefly share some background on what inspired you to launch Sushimaki and its growth over the past two decades? Yeah, so I am a native Miamian. Uh, born and raised here in South Florida, and uh, but uh, to parents who are immigrants to this country from China. Dad uh, came here like so many others, uh, pursuing a dream uh, with only $80 in his uh, pocket and uh, not even a high school education, you know, finished middle school in Hong Kong. And uh, when he came here, there weren't a lot of options in the restaurant business. He first came to New York City, was one where he could work on weekends. His primary job was uh, in the laundry business, like quintessential immigrant businesses. But he learned the trade being a busboy and a server in a Chinese restaurant. And uh, when he married mom in 1969, they actually honeymooned here in Miami at the Fountain Blue Hotel. And uh, they came to Miami, fell in love with Miami in November of 69 and came back a few years later where I was born. And during that time, you know, dad had to find odd jobs in Chinese restaurants. He opened one that didn't work out in Hallandale, opened another one that did work out uh, beautifully in Homestead, Florida. So long and short of it is I grew up in the restaurant business. I remember napping on rice bags in the back of a Chinese kitchen. So you could say it's in my blood. And I never thought I'd get into the business because I saw the sacrifice um, that my parents worked seven days a week, 364 days out of the year. But uh, I did love business. I love teams. I love the restaurant kind of uh, business from a creative side. But uh, when we launched Sushimaki, we wanted to do it a little bit differently. You know, how do we run a business with some of the same kind of values of an immigrant business, but also some of the same kind of um, excellence and professionalism and systems and processes of a more corporate run restaurant. So I think uh, in a nutshell, that's what we've done at Sushimaki in the last uh, 23 years. And uh, we think that uh, we're just uh, the next stage of uh, the continued evolution of Sushimaki. Awesome. I love that story. The National Restaurant Association estimates that about 60% of restaurants fail in their first year alone. So as someone that's beaten those odds, what advice do you have for anyone interested in entering the industry? Yeah. So, you know, this advice, um, what someone once kind of said is it's not my, you know, kind of place to tell people kind of what you need or how challenging it is. But I can kind of tell you what has, uh, you know, brought 
uh, near-death experiences to Sushimaki. And this is, I think, some kind of things that you should look out for if somebody's looking to enter into the industry. Uh, one, you know, being well capitalized, things take longer than you think they will. They cost more. Um, this is nothing kind of earth shattering, but really, you know, when you are coming up with a budget, just really look at providing uh, a significant reserve for capital. You also want to be adaptable. I can tell you that we had a concept that opened that didn't work out, and uh, but we had terrific uh, location, a terrific real estate opportunity. So we changed from a Mexican style concept burritos to a sushi bar. So, you know, you have to be nimble. You have to be agile. These aren't things that are solely for the restaurant business. It's just any kind of business in general. You know, the next thing you need to do is that uh, you have to be kind of willing to reinvent yourself every few years because the business changes. So whether it's remodeling a dining room, coming up with a refresh of the menu, the trade dress needs to be updated. These are things that you need to do. Uh, and the last thing is to be humble. I think this is a very challenging business and uh, you can go from being on top of um, your game to being kind of uh, torpedoed by competition, by a bad review, by you know a mass exodus of team members. So you really need to be humble and be ready to kind of jump back into the business. If you don't love the business, it's also very challenging. So we always tell people to work in the restaurants for a period of time before you know getting into the business. It's one that looks great from the outside, but there are lots of realities that uh, you only can sense when you're in it. That's great advice. Now, what do you see as the biggest challenges to opening an eatery in South Florida, especially now compared to when you first started? Yeah. So I think there's this has always been a very competitive business, but it's only becoming increasing. And the expenses to start a restaurant now are just astronomical, whether it's looking for a location. Everybody wants to be in Miami now, so there's competition that's willing to pay top dollar for spaces. Uh, construction costs are continually going up. The cost of equipment, all of these things make it very challenging to get a, a return on your investment, a return for your investors if you have investors, a return on capital if you're, if you're using your own capital. And you know that even in a perfect world when you're executing on all cylinders, uh, this business has razor thin margins. So you need to kind of have that you know, willingness to be challenged that it's, it's challenging to make a living in this business. You have to love it. And also your team members now with the rising kind of cost of real estate, Many of your team members live far away and it's tough from a quality of life standpoint. So, you know, these things certainly existed 25 years ago, but we find them just to be kind of more acute now. The cost of construction, the cost of finding and executing on a lease, the, the guarantees that the landlords now require. All these things make it uh, super competitive. And my father always kind of told me that this is why you need to value the business so much because it's so hard to get in and to own your own business. Abe Ng joining us. Next, how he's running his business in a post-COVID world when Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, working with businesses across Florida to lower energy usage and costs with efficient natural gas. 
get cash back energy conservation rebates when you install new natural gas equipment. Learn more at peoplesgas.com slash biz rebates. Now, uh, sadly, the COVID-19 pandemic resulted in the demise of many eateries. Now, Sushi Maki made it through. So looking back, were there any lessons that you learned or any takeaways from that period that you still apply today? Yeah. So I think uh, the pandemic was super challenging. The people who were adaptable got stronger uh, during this time. And some things that have stayed that still apply, the increasing amount of people that are eating at home, uh, whether it's takeaway or third-party delivery, that all existed, you know, certainly before COVID, but it just got to be, you know, record uh, participation for people. I think we also learned the importance of having relationships with government. And they're the ones that were, you know, mayors of counties and cities were protecting us. So this is something that Today, you know, when things are a little bit more calm and stable, you need to build those relationships with your government officials because you need to leverage that uh, relationship in good times uh, so that when rocky times come, they'll take your phone call and they'll be able to know that you're not just there asking for support, but you've been a good community citizen throughout all times, good and bad times. And kind of the same holds in the pandemic. We learned uh, to uh, cooperate even more with competitors. You know, you shared best practices, uh, whether on Zoom calls or WhatsApp messages, all these things still kind of exist today. So I think that that's one of the great things, um, the community and what's kind of stuck since then. So in the time of kind of just um, relative stability and uh, normal realization of um, your calendar and your season, you need to kind of build on those relationships with your competitors, with your neighbors, with your government officials. And that's one of the things that I think um, that we do so beautifully well here in in South Florida, whether it's the hurricanes or the boom bust cycles that uh, we've always been a good community. Uh, When times are tough, we lock arms and figure it out together. It's great. Now, since we've just entered a new year, What do you see as the biggest trends or challenges poised to impact the restaurant industry in 2024, whether new or a continuation? Yeah. So I think we are so blessed to be in an incredible destination like South Florida uh, with all the good things of climate and business environment and taxes. People continue to move here. And that allows us to be a pie that's growing. I think on the part of the concern is that there seems to be a pullback in spending. People are just a little bit uneasy about the future. And we see traffic to be similar, but our average spend or ticket has reduced a little bit. I think that's something to kind of keep our eye on. We see a normalization of the supply chain. Um, You know, some commodities have eased up a little bit. So in our business, that's helpful. We see kind of a, a little bit of an easing in hiring. It's not quite as challenging. Now, you know, the restaurant business is all about building a team and the team with the best players win. And it was very hard going into the pandemic and certainly almost impossible during the pandemic. But now it's gotten a little bit easier. So, but, you know, you still need to be an employer of choice if you want to hire, recruit and retain the very best. But we do find it, people are showing up to interviews, which was not the case 18 months ago. We also see that seasonality has kind of returned a little bit uh, slower 
uh, summer, early fall, um, kind of mirroring 2017, 2018, 2019. So we see that uh, it's a little bit easier for conventional business planning. But, uh, you know, trust me, there's those times when your summer months were super strong uh, in 21 and 22. We were excited to kind of serve all the people that were traveling to South Florida during that time. But uh, nonetheless, it was an incredible start to the season with Art Basel and all that's going on down here. And we are so excited that Miami continues to be a place, South Florida continues to be a place where people want to work, to play, to live, and uh, to build community. Here, here. All right. Well, this about wraps it up for us. But I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today. But as always, you know, I enjoy chatting with you and picking your brain about the restaurants yeah. here. Okay. So take good care. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy.